0: I think a lot of times we talk about how is sales and marketing, how are they not aligned? But so often even marketing functions are not aligned. So think about content, digital events, are they all speaking to each other? Do they have a shared goal? So a lot of times I'll walk into an organization and I've done this with many different size organizations and I'll ask simply, what is the business objective here for the year? And how are each teams working towards that objective?
1: The B2B Marketing Exchange brings together B2B marketing and sales practitioners from across the country to get the latest tools and tips they need to succeed. Now, we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. I'm Claudia Tarico and I'm Kelly Lindenau, and this is the B2B Marketing Exchange podcast. Hey, folks. Welcome back to another episode of the B2B MX podcast. I'm so excited for today's episode because we're not only hearing from one revenue leader today, we're hearing from four. And my favorite thing about this panel from B2B SMX in Boston is that it was all females. Yes. We love to see a bunch of kick-ass female marketing leaders take our B2B SMX stage. And these ladies really made a case for why ABX powers demand, brand, and advocacy. They sure did. And so the session was titled, Don't Put ABX in a Corner, which I love the Dirty Dancing reference there, and why ABX is the key to unlocking revenue growth and the catalyst to elevate brand demand and advocacy. It starred Jennifer Lever of Full Story, Amber Bogie of Reach Desk, Karina Owens of Gong, and Jessica Gandolfo of Sixth Sense. The panel, of course, all the ladies walked the audience through their experiences, struggles, and of course, those aha moments that will help take your ABX strategy to the next level and turn it into a flywheel with repeatable revenue-generating results. So without further ado, let's pass things over to the ladies. Let's play that tape. Thank you, first off,
2: um, for everyone being here today. Um, really, really excited to share this session with you all. Uh, we've got a jammed-packed pack, uh, event, um, so we're going to go ahead and, and dive in. Um, so first, quick intros. I'm Jen Lever. I'm the director
0: of ABM and Integrated Marketing at Full Story.
2: Hi, Amber Bogie,
3: director of Global Demand Gen for Reach Desk.
0: Hi, everyone. Karina Owens. I am a senior manager of AVM for the enterprise division at Gong. And I'm Justin Dolfo. Uh,
4: I am the senior brand manager at Swintel, Six Sense Company.
0: Awesome.
2: So um, let's go ahead and dive into the agenda. And this is really, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this slide, but these are really the points that I want you all to be able to take away from this session, Um, really understanding why AVX is the glue that kind of ties your revenue flywheel together, Um, and why AVX shouldn't be siloed in that process. Um, how are we looking at giving our prospects a glimpse into what it's like to be a customer, not only initially, but also a customer for life? And the, um, the, um, the impact that ABM has on that customer journey, really moving beyond looking at your prospects and your customers as just another logo, right? Not all accounts are created equal um, and really understanding where and when you need to double down on the accounts that are going to matter the most for your business. And then evolving ABM from just a top of funnel function, but looking at um, CX as the next phase of integrating a truly integrated um, ABX strategy. So um, what I wanna talk about first is kind of what keeps this up at night as, as marketers, right? We've got a series of questions on the screen here. Quick show of hands, who here is trying to solve these exact problems, right? Like why do my marketing teams feel siloed? How do I optimize the funnel? Understanding how we wanna report out to the business through the lens of attribution, um, analytics, which metrics actually matter? Um, How do we measure things that are a little bit more intangible like ABM, the impact of brand? Um, How do we double tap that customer base to really understand how that can feed into the top of your funnel? Um, And where and when we can drive uh, more revenue growth and in the right places, and ABM is a huge, huge driver of that. Starting first with um, the funnel, I'm going to go ahead and, and kick it over to Amber to, to walk us through the next couple of slides.
3: So funny story. Um, <laughs> when I met my fiance and he asked me what I did for a living, I said, uh, "Well, I draw funnels <laughs> and I change the directions of them, um, and it means big things." Uh, So, uh, here we're looking, you know, right here we're looking at a traditional demand gen funnel strategy, Um, you know, fill the top of the funnel, get them to customer, yay, we did it, another customer, let's go again. And then kind of deepening it up a little bit, a little bit um, strategic focus, let's put on our our lab coats get a little sciency, um, and bring in ABM. Let's focus on the numbers. Let's hone in on personalization. Let's watch them through the the life cycle. Okay, and then the beautiful moment of customer. You know, we all we all keep uh, keep us up at night thinking about this. Um, once you become a customer, how do you actually? become partners with your customer and what's that experience like for them and how do you bring them through the journey of not just being a customer but a partner and uh you know think about upsell cross-sell and like what's next and then adding in just a little text on the left and the right some dotted lines Um, everybody put on their imagination hats i want you to look at the sides of the funnel and I want you to imagine that that is moving in a slow circle around. So what you actually have here on this slide is looking at how can you take your customers and create advocates and have them feed that top of funnel with the brand creating demand and then having that motion repeat.
2: Yeah, and I think one thing to point out here too is is the, the role of ABM, right? When you're starting at the beginning of the funnel, you're probably focusing on more of a one-to-many approach. As they move down, you're gonna um, hone in on accounts that are showing more engagement, more behavioral signals, saying that they're in market, they're ready to have a sales conversation. You're probably gonna put in some more personalization into that process, that one-to-few approach. Then you're gonna have your big whales, those accounts that you and your sales uh, teams are aligning on those are the ones that you're going to put a little bit more time, effort, budget, energy into with that one-to-one, uh, that one-to-one experience, right? And it translates into the customer journey as well. When you're looking at the different stages that your customers are going through, you're probably going to have a, an influx of customers coming on. You'll have, you know, some nurture getting them ready with the product, that CS experience, introducing them to what it's actually like to be a customer. Then, as you continue to grow and expand those accounts you're gonna double tap into those um, those must win accounts that you wanna to continue to, um, to expand into, right? So you'll have that one to few approach and then you'll have your your advocates um, that uh, are really helping drive, um, drive the needle forward and that's where you're going to double tap into more of that one to one approach, right? Now all of your accounts are gonna be created equal and if you layer in ABM across the funnel in that strategic motion, it's really gonna give you the most bang for your buck from a budget standpoint, right? So that being said, I'm going to circle back to um, some of those questions that we mentioned earlier on what what keeps us up at night and how ABM really is the glue that brings all of that together. Um, Starting first with why marketing teams feel siloed. And what I I like to look at, uh, or how I envision my revenue teams is, you know, you've got this building of revenue, right? You've got your sales team on one floor, you have your product team on another floor, you've got customer success on the third floor, then you've got marketing, we have our own floor, right? (laughs) But even on the marketing team, we're siloed there too. You've got um, events doing one thing, you have your partner marketing team doing another. You've got demand gen focusing on another strategy. Content, maybe they're getting their direction from product. Maybe they're actually aligning with demand gen. right? There's a lot of silos across the marketing team, so before we can bridge that gap with sales, we need to bridge that gap with marketing, and that's where the role of ABM uh, comes into play.
0: Yeah, so I really liked what you touched on there because I think a lot of times we talk about how is sales and marketing, how are they not aligned, but so often even marketing functions are not aligned. So think about content, digital events, are they all speaking to each other? Do they have a shared goal? So a lot of times I'll walk into an organization, and I've done this with many different size organizations, and I'll ask simply, what is the business objective here for the year? And how are each teams working towards that objective? So something for Gong is we are looking to win in more enterprise deals this year. So I go to our content team as an ABM program, and I say, hey, what are your metrics for this month or this quarter that align to this business metric? So I think it's so important that we're always thinking about what are the business outcomes, and that's going to help us all have one voice and one shared goal and outcome, and something that's much easier to track and report on.
3: Yeah, and and, you know, to just kind of talk through that, uh, you know, when it comes to implementing an ABM strategy you're talking through, it's like always focus on, you know, your collaboration across the organization, but do we really think about the fact that the marketing team can be really siloed? Um, And so, you know, focusing on collaboration with your your organization, um, I'm a ride or die sales enablement person, and then, you know, how can you bring your own marketing team together. And when you bring in ABM, you bring in something like an integrated campaign. So let's put ABM campaigns over here for a second and let's think about all right, so normally you've got your events team running an event. They do the promo for the event, they've got their emails, they've got their ads. Then you've got your content team over there thinking about their content and you know working with, you know, creating that content like what are they pushing out? Demand gens, you know, pushing display ads, are they doing content syndication? Webinars, what is the theme? What is the message of the webinar? There's a lot going on. Um, And are you all talking to each other about it? Mm -hmm. Now, let's bring in an integrated campaign example. Um, Now, you you create a seamless experience from start to finish. You work with creating an ABM campaign. Hey, product marketing. What's our message? What's going on in the market? What do we need to know? Content. What do we have to support this message, and how can we build out a campaign? Hey, events do we have an event that we can roll into this campaign? Okay, webinar, is there a topic that we wanna bring into this? Now we have all these different touch points and we can run all of this together in collaboration with each other.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting to to look at marketing as as this collective function, right? And when you are trying to focus on the right accounts at the right time with the right message, how are you intersecting with your partner marketing team to figure out what their initiatives are, what accounts they're already looking at, are they looking at the same accounts that we're looking at? How do we get tighter just as a team um, to, to really, again, drive the message home and build the pipeline, drive revenue? And I think another huge piece, not only from um, you know, aligning teams, breaking down those silos, is, um, is optimizing the funnel.
4: Yeah, um, funnel optimization, I think, is gonna really um, start to be a big topic right now, just especially like the way the economy is. Um, I know that a lot of people, we've heard uh, uncertain times for two years in COVID, and I know people don't really wanna hear it, but um, <laughs> with the, the way the, uh, uh, economic climate is, you know, you do have to be uh, going back to always improving on your funnel um, and understanding where, the, where those gaps are. And if you really want to proceed with confidence going forward, asking yourself a couple of questions, right? As ABM marketers, you're, always, you're already a, li- a little bit ahead of the game. Yeah. You are working with your sales teams, you already know your target accounts, you're uh, activating people's journeys at the correct stages. Um, But how do you take it a step further, right? How do you ensure that you have tier one data so that you're handing your ops team the best data so that you can avoid data decay? Um, How are you working with your CX teams? Because I kind of think sometimes in ABM, they're like the forgotten revenue sibling and they're so important. Um, And so really the two things that I kind of want to take out of funnel optimization is one, we really have to stop calling it funnel. It's not a funnel anymore. Funnels are one-wayed. They everything you go, you put into them comes out. It's never been marketing. It is. You don't want to call it a flywheel. Call it a revenue cycle. Call it anything that moves consistently. Um, but if you take that lens and that approach, you'll be able to identify where the challenges in the funnel actually are. When you get down to the tactical level, it, it's. It's a little bit easier, right? If if your, uh, if your accounts aren't converting, strengthen your ICP, redo it. Uh, if you're seeing things that aren't uh, converting into stages or pipeline, sales enablement, what's happening? Have the technology for your team that allows you to understand the insights. Um, but I think that the only way that you can really have predictable revenue and to proceed with confidence if we are stepping back and we are taking the flywheel motion across it.
2: Yeah, and um, you brought up a really good point the other day too, Jess. Um, optimizing the funnel is not a one and done approach. It's a good one. Right? Um, go ahead and, and double tap on that one because I, I, I really love what you said there about it's.
4: I get this all the time on <laughs> like when people are like, oh, we have to, you know, quarterly goal to like optimize. And I'm like, you're not ever going to be optimized, it's constant optimization. Um, it's probably the most frustrating thing being in marketing operations. Like, love that team, I don't know how they do it, but if you are not converting at 100% across your funnel and then 150% on your customer retention, then you're not in project management, you're still in optimization mode. So like, we just have to keep that ever going uh, thought process, right, across that, how can we continue, so like continue those improvements and where are they? Well, yeah, and
2: as you start to bring more touch points into the picture, you bring more um, campaigns and tactics into the picture, you've got to identify where those gaps are, and to your point earlier, not knowing where we might be in six months, our budgets are going to be under scrutiny. So if we're not being smart about where we're spending our money and where we're putting our advertising dollars, it's gonna be really easy for our finance team to say, oh, let me pull back a little bit. <laughs> and So yeah. the, the tighter that we can get on, on that conversion strategy across the funnel, not only on the acquisition side, but also on the customer side, um, is really gonna help us you know, be better marketers, be smarter about our approach, who we're going out to, um, and doubling down on on that message and that experience, um, which brings me to to the next point that we want to cover is you know once once we're you know coming together as a team to optimize that funnel, optimize that experience, um, how are we also aligning that strategy, that content, that message to the different stages that our accounts are in, right? Um, I I think one thing that um, we we really need to um, kind of hone in on and, and be hyper focused on is. Your accounts are going to be at various stages um, throughout the funnel, right? So for example, I'm not going to serve up a case study to an account that's showing very early behavior signals, very early intent. Um, they, don't, they don't know about full story. They don't care about full story. They don't care about how we drove three X for customer X, Y, Z, right? But based on the data that just that mentioned earlier, I can understand, okay, what sort of pain points are starting to surface? How do I align my message, my content strategy, that experience to those early behavioral signals, right? Um, so maybe, I'll, um, maybe I'll, I'll throw out a blog or an infographic that talks to you know, the top five ways to solve for problem X, Y, Z, right, based on those, those um, intent signals. As they start to move through the funnel, we get more and more tailored and more personalized because when they start engaging with us, we're able to pull even more data out and personalize that experience even more. Um, next to that would be once we've got them in, in the journey, where we're optimizing that experience, we're personalizing that journey, How are we measuring success? How are we taking a step back to understand where those gaps are, where we need to get tighter as a team, where we need to get better aligned and really showing the ROI um, that we're bringing to the table with with our programs? and that's where, um, you know, attribution, reporting, and reporting on the metrics that matter starts to come into, into the mix.
3: So how do you get tighter on your attribution? <laughs> well, um, spreadsheets, analytics. Uh, I mean, we're in it all the time. Uh, you know, a, a few things to do is, is, as we kind of, you know, Karina and I touched on before, uh, what is the shared goal? What are you focused on? Be focused there. That's what's important. Um, second is clean your data. <laughs> um, you know your systems are only your systems and tech is only as good as your data. And I think that we all probably have had this. And I think that data is the love hate for all of us. You know. It, Everywhere you go, you're like, oh, the data is so you know messy, and how do I how do I clean it? How do I fix it? I don't think anyone actually has. No, data. I don't <laughs>
2: actually think it <laughs> exists. In
3: maybe new market. Um, no, but <laughs> but in all seriousness, um, you know that needs to be a priority. It needs to be a focus, and you know so focus on having the clean data and having systems and processes that work, and then visualize that data, um, look at it, um, you know. The question is, is, is how often are you looking at the data? Are you obsessed with the numbers? Do you know your numbers from last week? And if you don't, know them. We can't just look quarterly at our successes and think, all right, yeah, well, we hit, you know, we hit, we didn't hit. It's, what did we do last week? What did we do the week before? How did the month look previously? Are there patterns? Are there, you know, ebbs and flows? Like, what can we learn from this, and how can we change, improve, or remove what's not working.
2: So that's that. I mean, that's the business of marketing, Yeah. right? Um, And uh, Karina, you brought up a really good point the other day, too, on how you're looking at reporting attribution.
0: Yeah. Well, I love what Amber said, and I think it's so true. And I often tell people that ABM can be most successful because they act really as the stewards of data, Mm -hmm. so data of the account, but also think about how important revenue and pipeline is. reporting on something weekly, I'm able to identify, hey, I'm seeing some trends that we're not trending in the right direction towards that shared goal of pipeline and revenue. What can we do as a collective team to try and uh, attempt to fix that? Um, But I think another thing, because it's so difficult to prove out ABM and ABX programs, they're so hard to get off the ground, and they take such a long time to show the fruits of your labor. Uh, So one way I like to show incremental progress is to actually create a control group. So a set of accounts that look just like the target accounts um, and compare. How are we seeing that they're progressing through our funnel? How are we seeing that they're progressing through the stages? And I'm guaranteeing you that you would often find, if you have these programs in place, that you're going to find that your prospects are actually spending more time on your site. They're engaging with more content. They're attending more events, which correlates to the holy grail of less time in sales stages, pipeline velocity, right? Also, we're going to see larger deal size because we're probably touching so many different parts of the business and buying units. Um, so of course, the Holy Grail of two of closed one revenue, right? You're gonna see larger deal sizes here. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, a good way to continuously show success from start throughout your entire journey.
2: Yeah, and I, I love the control group. Uh, that's one thing that um, I, I leverage in almost every campaign, especially when you're getting further along into, you know, moving from that one-to-many to one-to-one approach is showing that lift that these targeted, personalized experiences are actually driving for your prospects and customers. Um, another point that, um, that I think is really Im- in important here is telling the entire story of marketing's contribution to pipeline and revenue, and that's looking at marketing not only through that source lens, but also through influence, right? If you're doing ABM right, um, it should be following so closely alongside that sales motion that you should be sharing that that shared um, pipeline goal, right? It shouldn't be, oh, marketing did this, sales did that. Um, it should be a, a collaborative effort there. And if you're not reporting on that influence metric, um, you're you're not only telling, you know, a very small part of the story. I have never launched a display campaign where I'm like, Somebody clicked on my ad, went right to the website, and said, I want to talk to sales. You know what I mean? Um, But that ad had an influence on that that account's journey. Um, It allowed us to stay top of mind. It allowed us to be that vendor of choice when they were ready to solve that problem and start looking at at solutions to bring to the table. right? And so that influence piece, I think, is a huge, huge metric that we as ABMers really need to hone in on. and be advocates to say, this needs to be a part of our reporting framework. Mm -hmm. We need to look at source absolutely on where we need to double down, but that influence metric is huge. And I think that's where brand also comes into play from an influence um, standpoint, right?
4: And brand is also like the, it's that word that when you say it to your (laughs) CMO, most likely your CFO or your CEO, they're like, (laughs) Please don't talk about brand because you can't measure it. And I think the thing is that um, it's there's like a perception that you can't measure brand, but you can. Um, uh, just a question: Does anyone here like oversee their brand team, work with their brand team, have a brand team? Do any of your brand teams have CX metrics like going along with your customer experience teams? Okay, so nice. so brand right is by definition an organization's ability to be trusted perceived and recognized right yet we just take our brand teams and we stuff them into like the closet that is uh, typography and like style guides and I am never going to say that the display is not one of the most powerful things that I've used across ABM but I really relied on my digital marketing team for that. And I did put brand dollars behind it, and I did put budget behind it, and I did do it for conversions. But I concentrated on the other side of my funnel for where I wanted to, um, or my flywheel. See, I even do it, (laughs) Um, uh, where I wanted to put some of those brand dollars because I wanted to be able to have metrics. Right? You can measure NPS. You can measure retention. You can measure these things. You can measure your advocates. So I, I activated these campaigns and drove them through um, live events, virtual events, direct gifting, personalized experiences, right? Um, and that is where I saw most people come up to me and tell me that their experience was different. And again, I guess where I'm going to leave you on this is um, everyone here is at a conference. We're back. You're meeting old friends, new friends. Can everyone here say that there's like one technology in their tech stack that's like their favorite? Like doesn't matter where you are, like you're gonna take it with you, and there's no one here who's gonna tell you their competitor's better? <laughs> Did you tell people here that, that you use that, especially in a time when people are gonna ask what are you using to be successful? Tell me that that's not the most powerful marketing you can have still. So to me, I would rather have my brand dollars going down to, driving it through that way and being that one customer you're talking about.
2: Absolutely, and I think that's a great segue into really looking at how do we activate that customer base? How do we create that advocacy, that community, um, and hone in on on those customers that are gonna be our champions? Mm
0: -hmm. Well, uh, I'm pretty fortunate to work at a company where our Raving fans love Gong. They talk about us all the time. um, And it's because of everything you're seeing on the far left. Uh, Creating Raving Fans is a business operating principle for Gong. So everything that I do on the left impacts the right. Um, So just to give you guys an example here, and I like to take the 80-20 rule here, I could focus 80% of my time on casual users or people that still aren't really bought into what is Gong, what is revenue intelligence, how does this make my life better or I could focus 20% of my time on my raving fans. And my raving fans have uh, career progressions. They leave that company that I originally signed. So that raving fan travels and it's super important. It's one of the most important intent signals actually that sales and I are tracking together. It's become the new shiny, uh, new piece of data intent. Um, And what we do is we reach out to them. And I kid you not, uh, they will reach back out to us and say, oh my God, thank you so much for reaching out and congratulating me. We don't have Gong here, but I know we need it and we could use it. Let's get on a call. We'll walk through how we're gonna to pitch together to my broader team. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also had, this is one of my favorite stories, is we had a VP of sales actually write into his employment contract that they would buy Gong. Right? we all would
4: probably do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We
0: so take if, our stacks. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So it just goes to show you that all your work here is never done. And leaving your customers out of the equation is uh, just a big, big opportunity you're leaving on the table. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I mean, just one of the favorite things that I, I'd heard in, um, in my career from a CEO years ago was something around focusing on the customer. And he said, you can keep filling the bucket with water, but if the bucket has holes, you're not going to get any more water. Mm-hmm. And then that's, that's what advocacy is that is Exactly what that is. And you know, you have people moving companies and if you're partnering and being good partners to your customers, when someone, your advocate leaves, you still have a customer because you're working with them. And when your advocate leaves again, you've got four customers. And I'll just leave, like finalize this with, um, I'm not uh, passionate about customer advocacy because I'm a marketer. I'm passionate about it because I'm a success story.
2: Yeah, um, I think that, I mean, when I was looking for my newest role, one of the questions that I asked was, what does your tech stack look like? Um, Because it needed to check off certain boxes for me, but I also wanted to understand what is the flexibility going to look like for us to continue to build that out and evolve it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that brings up a really great point, is not all customers are created equal, just like not all accounts are created equal. So understanding who those champions are, um, the, the ones that are really gonna help you do the selling, right, um, that right there is, is gold. And I think that you're gonna you're going to wanna invest more of your time, your budget, your energy, your sales team, that relationship building motion into those customers who are going to build that, that, that advocacy and then help build that brand presence, build that authenticity in the market, that trust that feeds back into driving demand across the funnel. Um, And that's where I really think that ABM is the glue. So when we are doubling down on those target accounts, we have those shared goals across sales, marketing, customer success, and even just within our marketing teams in terms of the strategies that we're trying to drive forward. When we're able to really be smart about where we're investing our marketing budget and our marketing dollars, that right there is creating that revenue flywheel effect that is going to be unmatched. Um, So with that, um, that concludes our our session. We are going to be available at the back there if anybody has any questions. We'd love to chat with you. And I just want to say from all of us, thank you so much for joining today. We really appreciate everyone. Thank you everyone. Thank you.
1: Honestly, these women are true ABM rock stars, and I really love their conversation so much. They really honed in on how to leverage ABX to create a flywheel that elevated go-to-market strategy and break down those silos across teams. So 10-10 session for me. Yeah, I could not agree more, Claude. And another big shout out to Jen, Amber, Jess, and Karina for delivering a stellar panel. Well, it looks like that is a wrap on episode five. Thank you all so much for tuning in today and make sure to subscribe to our podcast on your podcast player of choice. Also make sure to join in the conversation on social media. We love hearing your thoughts and feedback. Thanks again, everyone. And we'll catch you next week.